So welcome to our first podcast for the Carolina Roll Call. So today we'll take an opportunity to talk to Senator Sin and talk about things that's going on in the state and just relax and have a little chat. But the coolest thing, we were sitting down talking, having a conversation, and we said we want we see so much of how news stations has dehumanized so many conservatives or even people on the other side. And it's been so hard for um, so many people to get their message out. So right. we, we want to take an opportunity to give you an opportunity just to show college students and show people around the state who you are, who you are as a person. Right. Well, that, it has been very difficult, not just due to COVID, um, but even though I gave birth to, to two millennials and a Generation Z person, thank goodness that I have a lot of contact with, um, you know, kids their age or young adults their age. Uh, due to COVID, we really, I mean, we're not going to bars or things of that nature where they may be. And I feel like the media is putting out one side of a lot of story and, and we're not all alike. We are Absolutely. all individuals. So to peg me as the same kind of politician as maybe a Republican from the upstate, well, that would be totally wrong. I am far more moderate than a lot of my uh, colleagues here. But at the same time, I can see why they would say, hey, we're going to paint all Republicans with the same brush because you open the paper and you hear some of our folks say things that are sort of outlandish and it gets people mad so I, I understand it I just hope not to be painted with the same brush because nobody I hope has heard me say anything outlandish and I'll, and I'll say this because um, you know you hit on the, like a perfect spot right there and I'll let Coleman introduce himself and then I'll go right back to your comment oh I'm Coleman Bryant I'm a, a senior at Walford with Corey and uh, we both worked in Washington together. We're both from the PD region of South Carolina, a region we think is uh, very overlooked by state politicians. So we're, we want to shine a light on that. I also, shine. I think there's a Senator Leatherman from <laughs> Florence. I think you I think you got a lot of spotlight right there. Uh, you going to? Well, I think that's a good point that you raised, and I think so. Right there in your district, just to talk a little bit about policy, I follow. Um, Katie Arrington's race and Cunningham race a long time, and I think there's a lot of questions. Who supported off drill, short, short drilling and who did? And I think even in your race, that's something that is hard to kind of paint the picture. Can you make it very clear your stance on that? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think it's an issue anymore, but my stance has always been very clear. I'm strongly opposed to offshore drilling. Not only that, I run the green seal of approval for the conservation voters, and generally, I will tell you, they usually support some liberal candidates. I'm very thankful that they're supportive of me. I fought very hard to keep plastics out of our highways and waterways. Ways. Uh, there is not a single environmental issue that I haven't, you know, jumped right on because that is very important to me, especially living in the low country. Our waterways, we have to keep them pristine. So definitely offshore drilling is a no. And going off of that, you know, that's an issue that's very important to young people in our state. Uh, we've seen that in all the races from, you know, all the votes that everyone's been looking at. Right. Um, what specifically would be your agenda, that's, uh, agenda that young people would resonate with? Um, for your upcoming election. Right, well certainly, obviously, I can lean on my history with respect to the environmental support that I have for, for people in this area. But also, I've worked very hard on flooding issues. I don't really understand some of the people saying what's causing climate change. Is there really no climate change? I mean, I'm just looking at it myself over the past however many years. I don't think that should be a political issue. Um, 
but you know, regardless, if it's going to cause flooding, then what I've been trying to do with my flooding task force is just a common sense fix, which is to get a whole bunch of agencies together and we go into the neighborhoods and we fix the whole neighborhood's problem, not say one street that's got a ditch clogged and the city fixes it, then DOT has to come fix the next clog. It just doesn't work that well. So I have been very successful in getting all governmental agencies to come together and sort of fix some, you know, general problems on the flooding. Um, in addition, you know, I have been very supportive of allowing high school students to take technical school training while they're still in high school. Um, they do not want to go to vocational schools or things of that nature and leave their friends in high school, but they would go a couple days a week to try and pick up a couple of credits in, in technical school because then they feel like, hey, I'm in college, and they need to do that because we, we pay. People think we don't put enough money in education. We are actually, I think, 23rd as far as um, per pupil dollar spent, but we're just not getting great results out of it. And I don't think we reinvent the wheel because our technical schools do a great job. So whether the kids want to get a manufacturing job and they want to take additional STEM training, whether they want to learn by repetition and work with their hands. Um, you know, electrical linemen start out at $100,000 a year. So I want to allow our kids to not have as much student loan debt going into whether they're going to go to a two-year school or a four-year school, um, really, I think they should, if they want to, they should have a two-year degree coming out of high school. And uh, that's, that's two issues me and Ja'Cory talk about all the time. You know, the two issues people always say are facing our state is dealing with education and dealing with our infrastructure. Right. Uh, I'm the son of two educators, so I know that's completely right. true. Uh, I think we're going to take a little shift into some issues that are pressing right now. Can I stop yeah, you right there yeah, because sure. you're talking about the son of two educators. We're sitting here debating the budget right now. And I'm going to take a stance that if the teachers do not get the raises that they were promised, I am not going to vote in favor of this budget. And I know that's sort of single issue. But I'm just, I'm just telling you that the teachers have been up here for two years. We've promised them raises. And yes, I do think a lot of them need to get back to the classroom. Um, but they deserve these raises, and I'm going to have a problem with the folks in there with the budget if they don't come up with the money. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm glad you said that. I, I know you, and I know the job you do, and I hate so often on the other side, especially in your, your race, it's not a race pointed in that direction where we're telling, and I'll say this in the nicest way, people the truth about what you're doing in Columbia. And um, one thing, not to really shift gears a little bit, is something that we've talked about several times. Can you highlight for us a little bit, in Charleston, we're seeing writing on the wall by several representatives, and we're seeing um, um, things that's happening, and peaceful protests not being so peaceful. And, you know, as a senator that's right there in a district that's really changing, how do you mend that together? How do you bring that I don't know. I will tell you, I am, I've been very disturbed by everything. And now let me go ahead and say I represent police uh, and first responders Absolutely. for 30 years. That's, the, that's how I made my bed, bread and butter. Um, I, I came from a family of farmers, and so I was not handed everything, and I had student loan debt as well. Um, so, but, so I fought for, for police and first responders for 30 years, and I think that they have been painted with an awful brush. And at the same time, I understand the, the outcry, but I think that both sides are handling things extremely poorly. And I can't say that race relations are getting better. That worries me greatly. I've spoken with my children and their friends about this because uh, they see things a totally different way. 
um, not necessarily from me, but you know, they're they're energized and they're charged, and, and I get it, and I'm kind of excited to see some activism in them, but I need to understand um, what's going on because when I see violence and violence being accepted as okay, to me that's just that's got to turn around and that's got to stop. Violence is not okay. You can protest peacefully all day long, but I'll tell you what else. When those people stood outside of the LA hospital where those two officers were fighting for their lives and they were hollering, um, I hope the effing police die. You know, one's 24 years old, one's 31 years old. I don't think that's peaceful. And yes, they're using their mouth, but I think that is horribly insulting to our folks in blue. Um, something we've been talking about, as you know, uh, Tim Scott, our state, our, our senator, U.S. senator, um, came out with a bill, the Justice and Policing Act. Would you support something of that nature to, that uh, kind of reforms police practices? Well, you know, police practices definitely vary widely from institution to institution. Um, most good agencies are accredited, meaning they already follow some very high st standards. You do have smaller law enforcement agencies that just simply can't afford and, it. And I'll, and I'll cut in with you because I'm pretty sure you were here as well. Our state has already passed something that has made it um, police um, protection a little more strengthened in the last couple of years when we saw what happened in Charleston. Right. We we're already went through so many processes of making making sure all the officers have cameras, making sure. You know, let me stop you there. We didn't properly fund it. We Absolutely. said that they have to wear cameras, but then we didn't properly fund it. So what we did, or they did, I wasn't even in office at the time. I'm still first term. <laughs> um, this was the first office I ever ran for, too, That's by awesome. the way. So I'm still in my first term. But back then, because I was representing police, I certainly was paying attention to it. What they did was give local governments an unfunded mandate. So you especially have a lot of smaller agencies that just can't afford it. It's not just the body camera itself; it's the ability to keep the recordings. Um, so it, it does become an expense. So you know the legislature can grandstand all day long and say we're going to do this, we're going to do that, but they have to put money, yeah, behind what what they're saying. Now, I think every officer would appreciate better training. Nobody fusses about that. Um, certainly better equipment, everybody would want that. Um, but we have to give them some support too, and right now they are kicked down to the lowest. You mentioned what happened in Charleston. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that um, I represented the city of North Charleston in the Walter Scott case, not the officer who did the shooting. In fact, I recommended that the officer who did the shooting get fired very quickly. And I also helped fashion a six and a half million dollar settlement in record time. Um, at the time, it was the highest settlement for any civil rights case in the entire United States. I saw that our city and our community needed to pull together and say what happened was wrong, get it behind us civilly and everything else. So I help with that. I'm learning um, about you every day. <laughs> oh yeah, well, but, but then again, okay, you gotta think, how many lawyers um, would have wanted to handle a case of that magnitude? Absolutely. So I have worked my way to be, yeah. I think, at the top of my game as far as being an attorney who does civil rights um, law. Uh, but at the same time, we cannot let it go away and think that, okay, we can now just turn our backs on all police because they they you got to keep in mind big police officers and firefighters they breed smaller police officers and firefighters because they want to be like their mamas and their daddies Absolutely. and now their mamas and daddies are saying don't go into this profession um, people hate you and I mean it's just sad and we've got to turn that around everybody millennial Z boomers I mean we all need to turn that around Absolutely. so the uh, the other challenge we have you know right now we have our 
Uh, the other crisis we have on hand in our country is the COVID-19 crisis. Um, so it's been a challenge for our country and our state. Uh, how would you rate the state's job in handling COVID? And what would you improve if there's anything you would improve? Well, you know, it has morphed. It's been around now, at least on our radar screen, fully since March. And I can say that at the beginning, people didn't know what they were dealing with. We still don't know what we're dealing with. But personally, if you're asking me, I say we just have to shoulder into it. Those who are not, because they're significant at risk, they're going to have to handle their own family business and their own personal lives how they see fit. But for the rest of us, I think that we need to shoulder into it. We cannot shut down the state's economy. That's one of the reasons we're going to have trouble funding the teacher salaries right now because we're fearful of what's going to happen next year and then we're not going to have the money to pay them. Um, so I, I say we, we just shoulder on into this thing. I don't want our children to use, lose an entire year of school because they've also already been out since March pretty much. Um, we need to get them back in the classroom and, and we need to just um, take this virus at face value and and do our best with the precautions that we can, like the mask and whatnot. If you want to wear a mask, I certainly do. I want other people to feel safe around me and me to be safe for them. But I understand there's a big pushback against that. In schools, it should not be. It should be mandatory. Absolutely. So. One thing that I think is interesting because we're closing up and you got to get back to work for your constituents. But one, one big thing I want to talk about is tell us a little bit about you outside of the politics, outside of your scope. Tell us a little bit about Sandy Sin. Tell us about your family, your friends or what what keeps you going? What keeps you here when you can be? at home working and doing things actually for your job. Right. Well, um, you said about me, I guess, uh, let's start with the most important things for me. I'm, I'm a wife and a mother of three. The youngest is six, just turned 16. He might be the death of me. Um, <laughs> my two daughters are gone and gone. Well, one's in med school, one's an attorney, so I have to brag about that just a little bit. Um, they didn't have to have the student loan debt that I did, but, you know, for the, t for the some of them, one of them did because she decided she wanted to go to Europe. You know, that's her choice. Um, but she at least had in-state, you know, tuition paid. So, um, but as far as me, I guess what we like to do, we love, because we live in Charleston, we are a big water family. Um, I, that water is my happy place. Uh, I love finding artifacts. Okay. I love um, looking for Revolutionary War, Civil War artifacts and natural artifacts like shark's teeth and things like that. And anyway, I love Carolina football. And uh, <laughs> just saying, <laughs> I know I might upset some Clemson fans out there, but uh, go Cox. <laughs> anyway. So, I, I don't know, ask me any other questions, I'm happy to answer. Um, and then this is one thing that I thought was really important for our new platform that we're starting. Uh, one of the big things about us too is we're, we're, we're two different backgrounds, two different ideologies. Dracori re, uh, represents a more conservative side of the party. I'm traditionally more democratic. Um, so one of the important- Which is sort of flip-flop. Yes. <laughs> That's what several people said. They tell us that all the time. Knows, I always get a lot more Democrats talk to me and he gets more votes. <laughs> but so one of the things about the Charleston area is we know it's kind of trending. Um, and we saw that with Joe Cunningham's upset win over uh, Katie. Uh, what would you say to someone who may be a moderate Democrat or a moderate Republican um, in your, in your, in your, for your, just voting for your seat you know, I, I think we're really going to see a lot of Trump send voters. We're going to see a lot of Biden send voters. Uh, what would you do to attract moderates to your side? Well, actually, I think they can look at my voting history. I was actually called a moderate by the state newspaper on a social issue. I think that you, you will see that I frequently get upset when social issues are taking 
time from the legislature where I think those are personal matters that people just need to deal with and, and we all accept and we don't bring it up on the Senate floor or anywhere. Um, and so I think that my votes along those lines have been consistent because I don't harbor prejudices on, I don't want to hear you know any prejudicial comments about skin or whether you're gay or anything like that. I don't want to talk, take time on the floor about who gets to use what bathroom, uh, what sports people can play. These are things that just have no business being taken up by the legislature and um, it's just a time waster. And so I think if you just look at my record and definitely if you look at my record also on the environment, I think all of these things are important. And I do think I resonate with the younger folks too by trying to get them um, increased monies for the, not only the life scholarship and things of that nature. One thing I was able to do is people didn't realize that if they lost their scholarship, they could re-earn it. A lot of people still don't. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I made, I made them put out a, a publication on that because a lot of kids, you know, they just barely didn't make the grade. If Once they regain it, you can go back and get your scholarship. So I hope that there are some people still in school listening to that. Um, and part of this bill that we're at the CARES Act, we're going to let people even that didn't get to take the ACT and the ACT, they can take it now and then go ahead and get those scholarship monies. So um, things, of, things like that, I think hopefully, I know my, my children anyway think it's a good stance. Of course, they, they disagree with me on a lot of other things I say <laughs> or do, um, usually about what I'm cooking, but anyway, it's all okay. Well, um, the last question I think that uh, I definitely want to bring up is, you know, you've been here for four years. Mm -hmm. Uh, you are the incumbent, yes. and you're getting the campaign from your opponent that an incumbent gets. A lot of negative attacks. Um, and I, I can't attack him. He doesn't have a resume yet. That's He's right. that young. So this is the question is, you know, we talked about a lot of issues already. What issues are you going to focus on in your next four years? The same ones I did before. Um, my, my palm card last time is the same as it was before, basically traffic. Um, you know, I pushed through and I got unstuck 526. I ran on that. And um, you know, I can tell you that I was very instrumental in getting the governor to help change some things up at the SIB and actually ran afoul of Senator Leatherman from your area <laughs> on that issue. But so infrastructure, traffic infrastructure, flooding infrastructure is very important to me. Education, again, the technical school education is something that's near and dear to my heart. Certainly support broadband expanding to all, all people because if you don't have broadband, then you're totally at a disadvantage. We know that. Um, we know that. Yeah, that has to be discussed. It has to be paid for. Um, you can't even apply for a job or apply for school. You or know, do you, the census. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> put a stamp on everything? I mean, that's just backwards from what it should be. Uh, so. Um, I think, and, and then the other thing I guess uh, also that was on my list four years ago was also support for first responders. Um, I believe that first responders are in grave danger from the mentally ill, and I have been trying to, and I actually passed legislation, but it died in the House due to COVID, to try and let officers be able to act upon internet threats where people are claiming that they are going to shoot up a place or Absolutely. cause mass destruction. Right now people think it's illegal um, to make a threat. But it, you, can, you cannot threaten a legislator or judge, you cannot threaten an individual, and you cannot threaten to bomb something, but you can say I'm going to go into this church and shoot it up on Sunday. Um, so that is something that we need to take seriously. Almost all of the people who have committed those heinous acts have signaled what they're going to do. They have all been white males, and we all need to, when somebody signals a threat like that, 
the police need to be able to go in. So my bill would have them, um, they would be able to uh, make as a condition of bond, they would have to take a mental health evaluation and the officers could determine whether uh, they actually had the ability to carry out the threat. So again, my support for first responders has gone way back. And I'll close this out. One thing that you said, and I don't know if you want to respond to it, that I loved, you know, so often in the country when we're talking about, and we've talked about this, about, and you, we got to close and go, but we're talking about um, listening and learning. And one thing that I thought was huge for you as a state senator that you made the comment that I don't know about certain things, but I'm willing to listen and learn from my constituents. And I think that was such a powerful thing, and hopefully we can see that for more um, senators across our state. I appreciate that. Every single time I put out a newsletter, I, letter, I say, what do you think? And I take it to heart. Um, of course, I get sometimes that are polar opposite, but somewhere in the middle lies a reasonable response. I'm going to jump in real quick. And one thing that you said that I really appreciated is you can't paint every politician with the same brush. That is absolutely true. And we've, we've seen right here today in this interview that bipartisanship is not something that's unattainable. Oh no, it's not. It's not. But I'm concerned because I think we're going to see some things today or tomorrow that are going to divide us. And I'm, I'm hope, hoping not, but I'm on my tiptoes to see how things are going to turn Well, we'll be watching from home and we'll send you a lot of messages. Okay. I hope you have a good day. Thank, Thank you all so time. much. Thanks. Thank you.